The football season is here, and you can track the latest news, odds, and information at betonline.net. And while stadiums won't be full, game action will be loaded. Which players will step up to lead their team? Is there still a home field advantage? Will offense or defense dominate these early weeks of the season? Follow along at betonline.net as the top teams in football begin their journey to Tampa. Available online or your mobile device. Check out the site today. Bring the game home at betonline.net. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the inaugural episode of Gym Class All-Stars, the podcast where two washed-up rec athletes share our opinions on sports that we're probably not qualified to give. I'm Robbie. I'm Alex. Let's get straight to it. Sports are back. Finally, it feels so good to say it's been so long and they are back in full swing. Now we're going to get right into it, starting with the NBA's first ever play-in game for the NBA playoffs between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. Alex, give me your thoughts on that game. Absolutely electric. I loved every second of it. The best kind of game where eight seed, win one, you're in. Grizzlies, you got to fight and claw. I was, as a fan of drama, disappointed didn't go to a second game because I would love to have seen you know, really tense, like last possession, the second game, Grizzlies versus Trailblazers. But without Jaron Jackson, unfortunately, the Blazers were just too much for the Grizzlies. John Morant did his very best to carry the team, but surprisingly, Dame time was not the key factor here. CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic played out of their minds. Dame played well. Very true. We saw very, very different uh, closing scenario for the trailblazers usually we're seeing damian lillard just game time you know hitting the wrist taking over but this was different we saw a little more on the defensive side from damian lillard coming up with a couple clutch steals forcing some turnovers seeing cj mccullum and like you said nurkic taking the big shots that you normally see damian lillard take that shows the evolution of this team uh from last year when they got swept in the conference finals they couldn't score if it wasn't dame or cj now all of a sudden there's a lot more pieces a lot more opportunities open up yeah, and Gary Trent Jr. just has been coming up big. And, and Mello. Can't forget Carmelo Anthony. The world wanted him to just go into oblivion. And he said, no, three to the dome, all that. Oh, yeah. Mello helped them really take over. Also hit some clutch shots down the line there. But uh, I think Portland seemed to be the fan favorite team going into that game. You know, people got on board with Damian Lillard. Logo Lillard, as he's been called recently. Um, do you think there's any chance Portland can can take LeBron down? No, absolutely not. No? Yeah, that's <laughs> it was a feel-good story, but it's like when uh, UMBC beat Virginia and then they stood no chance against whoever they played next. It's one of those. Speaking of, though, we can transition right now. The NBA playoffs started today. We've already seen three games start and finish. Uh, first game of the day came down to an overtime finish. Uh Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz scored 57 points in a losing effort. Uh, Jamal Murray hit a lot of clutch shots down the line. What do you expect to see out of that series? You know, the, the Jazz, the Nuggets, what do you think? Nuggets and five. That's all I have to say. Nuggets and five. Okay. <laughs> I was uh, very impressed by the way the Jazz played today. Donovan Mitchell went off. Rudy Gobert played very well defensively against Jokic. Joe Ingles usual self making a few threes when he needed to. I, 
the thing is, the Jazz losing in overtime, though, is problematic in the sense that 59 points from Don Mitchell and they're losing to the Nuggets. It's – they need Mike Conley back, who they'll get back because he was seeing his son being born in Ohio. Congratulations. They don't have Bogdanovich, which he was having a not going to help. For them. Absolutely. But it'll be interesting to see what Conley brings to the table. I still think the, the Nuggets will just kind of overpower them. Jamal Murray in clutch time, something else. I, I agree. Jamal Murray, in my opinion, has always had that clutch factor. It was a matter of can he use it properly, and today he showed he absolutely can. He hit shot after shot, no matter how tight the defense was. Hand in his face, it was still perfect swish every single time. If he can keep that up, not only is Denver going to advance quickly in this round, I could see them making a trip maybe even to the conference finals or finals if they can keep up that effective play at the end of games. Jamal Murray is exactly what you want in a player where he's a very good point guard. He can shoot. He's got some handles too. And he's clutch. He's like Kyrie, but not toxic. It's great. (laughs) Yes, sir. Well, so going on then to the second game of the day, not a whole lot of excitement here. Toronto Raptors blew out the Denver, uh, excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, do, we, do we think the Nets are going to win a game this series, or is Toronto just going to sweep their way into the next round? In all seriousness, Toronto will sweep, sweep their way into the next round, but imagine the Nets win the first round and somehow like win the second and go to the conference finals, and then KD and Kyrie come back, and they just they try and make a push. No, that, unfortunately – magic moment. <laughs> They're just so undermanned. Like, they're playing very well for the lineup they have. Karis LeVert looks great. Like, he looks like a third star to that team. TLC, former Sixers player, apparently a stud now, which hurts me physically as a Sixers fan. But we'll live. Yeah, I think the one big positive Brooklyn will be able to take out of this playoff run is you're going to find out who really belongs on this team with Durant and Kyrie who are the guys that you want to try and help build around and integrate into that future offense and I think Karis LeVert's showing he absolutely has the potential to be that I think Jarrett Allen has some potential Um, these young guys getting playoff experience even if they only play four games goes a long way long way towards future success Um, and finally the last game that wrapped up before we started here was the Sixers and the Celtics very very competitive basketball game no, this one might have hurt you. Move on. But, uh, Move on. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> We're done. We'll We're going to talk about it for just a moment. Joel Embiid played a spectacular basketball game. Uh, they, the Celtics really had no answer for him. Tice did his very best, gotten some foul trouble. But other than Joel Embiid, Sixers were a little bit lackluster. Josh Richardson shot relatively well. But other than that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of consistency. If the Sixers are going to come back and try and win this series, besides Joel Embiid, who are the guys that need to really step it up on the offensive end? Toby, Tobias Harris, you need to step it up. You need to be that $190 million man we all wanted. People were saying you were overpaid, and I would love if you could be a star and be that clutch closer that the Sixers desperately need. And Bede could be that guy, but unfortunately, he gets doubled every chance he gets in the paint. And I know – Next few games, Brad Stevens is going to dial up the pressure, and it's going to get rough. I agree. If Tobias Harris, I believe, only have 13 points tonight, if he can step that up, maybe 10 points, 23, 
that helps a lot more. It eases off on the role players that have to end up scoring more when he's struggling. That jump shot, you know, the Sixers are an inside-out team. If they dish it in Embiid, he's double. He can kick it out to Toby. If Toby's hitting those shots, that's a different offense than we saw today. Um, yeah. And then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I just, as a Sixers fan, it's it's hard for me to watch. I want them to win so bad. They need to limit their turnovers. Brett Brown needs to try and make more on-the-fly adjustments. So hopefully by game two, of things more sorted out. Alec Burks is playing as well as we could ask. Shake Millen, I like a little more aggressiveness out of. And hopefully that in combination with a lot less turnovers will lead to more success. Hopefully a win, two wins, maybe even a series win five. Do I call it? I probably shouldn't. We'll, we'll hold off on that until we win a game. Fans cross their fingers and pray. Uh, on the Boston side of things, ended up coming up clutch. You know, they, they gave up a lead entering the fourth quarter, but they came back. They rallied. They held, they held their own. What, do, what steps do they have to take after today, do you think, in your opinion, in order to close out the series as quickly as possible? Honestly, keep doing what they're doing. Brad Stevens, I don't like the Celtics, but credit – I give credit where credit's due. Brad Stevens is a great coach. He's very good at making adjustments on the fly. The Celtics can't go cold, and that's kind of what happened in the second half today. They went really cold from the field. As long as they're shooting kind of well, give Jason Tatum the ball in clutch situations, unfortunately. I hope Gordon Hayward is okay. He sort of rolled his ankle I believe it's the one he came down on and had that gruesome injury back in uh, 2017. But I hope he's okay. I actually kind of screamed when I saw it because I was very worried it was going to be another one of those gruesome breaks. But honestly, they're very deep. They have a lot of talents. Maybe the Sixers could try and get Marcus Smart suspended. You know, that's a hope. I will say, though. Always a sound strategy. Al Horford played decent today. He's a little emotional, which I like. He was screaming a bit. But I also need the refs to little, like, lay off a little bit and let them play. Al Horford getting called for a flagrant one on uh, Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown was just asinine. It was terrible. I was watching that play, and, and I was sitting there with my brother, and I, I was talking about this. And I said, this is a defining moment for the NBA because, as the announcers were saying on the broadcast, that in the 90s wasn't a foul. That, that was a, you know, that, that's your second personal foul of the game, no big deal. But they ended up calling that a flagrant. And to me, I was always taught, if you're going to foul somebody, foul them hard. Foul them so they can't get the shot up. How much does that speak to how the game has changed uh, with, with, you know, how calls, foul, fouls are called? Because to me, personally, that's not a foul. But that's what they called, and that ended up being a crucial moment in that game. I think you meant it wasn't a, shouldn't have been a flagrant. It was definitely a foul. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. 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 Correct. Well, being that you and I are, you know, rec basketball all stars, we were always taught if you're going to foul someone, foul them so they cannot get an and one. Like you. Exactly. My mom, when I was younger, if I'd foul someone when they're going up for a layup, she'd be like, why didn't you foul them harder? Which kind of sounds messed up, but it was like, make sure they don't score and they don't get an and one. I, I thought it was the same way where he grabbed his arm just to make sure he wasn't going to shoot the ball. And, you know, and ones are possible. Their NBA players are highly skilled at what they do. 
So I'm disappointed, especially that call went against my favor. But it's just the way the league is, unfortunately. Yeah, you got to be able to adjust. Um, and Everyone's as you mentioned soft, before, clearly. coaches adjusting. Um, okay. In my opinion, whoever wins that series is going to be the team with the better coaching. Um, Brett Brown, Brad Stevens, both two great coaches. But like you said, adjusting on the fly is a whole different beast when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, whoever can do that better, I believe, will be the team that's victorious. Um, yeah. And speaking of coaches, a little bit of news in the NBA. A couple coaches have been relieved of their duties. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans coach Alvin Gentry fired after four seasons there, and Jim Boylan fired after his two seasons in Chicago, which neither have resulted in a playoff appearance. Any surprises there? Any any second second thoughts, or you think these are good decisions for these franchises? The Bulls 100% should have fired. What's his name? Boylan. Jim Boylan. <laughs> Jim Boylan 100% like fired him. Guy was. The guy was in hot water before his tenure really even started with the whole like thug comment and it was bad. It, oh, yeah. The Bulls the Bulls I think are gonna make a push to be one of those younger teams that's gonna get better as the years come. Sure. Zach Levine's emerging. I think Laurie Markinen can kinda do something. Kobe White. They look decent. They need a competent coach and someone that they respect. They'll be okay, hopefully. Pouring out for my boy Alvin Gentry, though. That man yeah. went through so much shit over those past four years, whether it was knocking off the Blazers in a sweep and then getting swept by the Warriors or the AD drama or just this year with criticism about Zion and just that man went through it all. I think he's a competent coach. I mean, I think the Pelicans sort of needed to change the scenery. Time will tell, but it's pouring out. I thought he was decent. Well, for sure. Time will tell. I mean, got his team to the bubble. It's not a not a feat to take lightly. Uh, they made the playoffs a few times. You know, it's it's yeah. a good thing for a coach to do. It's not bad. Put on the resume. Looking for the next coaching job. Um, so moving outside of the NBA bubble now a little bit. Let's talk about some other sports. Basketball is not the only thing going on. Baseball is back in full swing. No real restrictions though, and a lot of teams keep reporting. Uh, new cases of the coronavirus and the way it seems to be handled is teams are given the option to delay their series or even cancel it as a whole. Uh, how do you feel about that when, you know, maybe some teams are going to end up having played 60 games. Some teams only played 50 playoffs all about win percentage. How much is that really going to factor in at the end? It's going to matter in the MLB, usually playing 162 games. You could tell who the best teams were usually, obviously sometimes you get the, wild card race comes down to the last day, but you're usually able to distinguish those teams. But when everyone's playing a different amount of games, you get sort of the issue that the NBA bubble had. The Suns won eight games, and unfortunately they didn't have a last game to usurp the Blazers or the Grizzlies by win percentage. Happens. Exactly. I am intrigued, though, because the MLB is not a bubble. They're traveling. They're doing all this stuff. I think they're handling the situation reasonably well. I mean, obviously not compared to the NBA, but I think they're doing a good enough job where player safety comes first, quarantining. They sort of need to take precautions, like letting the Marlins just stay and don't play games until you're healthy. It's a weird season. People can – bitch and complain about different amounts of games being played. But the fact that there's a season is good enough for me. It's, 
it's wonky. It's a unique time, but I think they're handling it reasonably well. And honestly, I think the NFL should, with their protocol, should kind of follow suit with the MLB and monitoring them, especially not in a bubble. Sure, yeah. With, with the amount of players in, in baseball and football, it's much harder. You know, the roster sizes are much larger. Their coaching staffs have more people on it. It's a lot harder to keep that group in a enclosed area than it is for basketball. You know, there's only 15 people on roster. There's only maybe seven or eight coaches instead of NFL. There's 15 to 20 coaches on a team. It's a lot more bodies you have to take into account for. Um, I, I agree, you know, the number of coronavirus cases could definitely be higher. Uh, I think the MLB is taking the precautions it should. And if it, if it gets... The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. To the point where a team shouldn't be playing anymore, I just feel like as long as they're open to that possibility, everything's going to work out. Like you said, it's a wacky season, but these are professional athletes. If they're not adjusting for, you know, with the, with the changes... They're not doing their jobs correctly. <laughs> I think there should be, if it comes to this, some threshold, though, where it's like if the Marlins end up playing 10 total games and, like, have the same win percentage as someone who's – or maybe they have a better win percentage as someone who plays 55 games, you kind of, you're going to have to even that out in some way. There has to be some kind of minimum amount. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But oh. That's for not me to decide. No, yeah, no, the, the guys getting paid the big bucks get to make those decisions. Um Moving into other sports that are affected by the coronavirus, NFL, you know, preseason games start in about a month. A lot of star players have been coming out uh, emphasizing that they're not totally sure how they feel about the season. They're going to do it because it's their job. But even someone as high profile as Odell Beckham came out and said he's not sure how safe it is for people to be playing right now under the conditions. Do you think there's some traction under that? I mean, could we potentially see some star players hold out this season due to the safety concerns? It's tough because they need their need. If the people hold out, you got to have restrictions in place to sort of protect the player because this is an unprecedented time. There's a health risk associated with it. You don't want a situation like the WNBA with Lena Del Don where she has, I think, Lyme disease and coronavirus complications could be deathly for her. You don't want that. And you, the big thing is something like someone with a pre-existing condition and getting coronavirus and then saying something about it, like that will get out to the public. The NFL already under enough scrutiny. The last thing they need is a public health concern. That's it's, they need to take it seriously. I think they need to be cautious of all the coronavirus situation and all the cases but at the same time, they're going to be like the MLB where they'll get cases most likely, but they need to just monitor them and keep testing and have procedures in place and protocols in place so that they prevent it as much as they can. Absolutely. Player safety, you know, staff safety needs to be the top priority here. We love sports. We want to see it happen, but not at the cost of people getting hurt. So well, here's a question for you. Sure. The other football league, the NCAA, they have are canceling conference by conference. What do you think about that? Because students on a lot of college campuses are coming back, whether it be in small quantities, maybe freshmen are coming back, maybe everyone's coming back. 
if you put players in a bubble and have them monitored by doctors and physicians and have those protocols in place, do you think they can play a season? For college, I'm going to say no. See, with the NFL, these aren't student athletes. Their entire life really does revolve around the fact that they play this sport. You, it is much easier to control where that person is able to go than you are a college athlete. I think because of the fact that with student athletes, the education, regardless of it actually, if it actually does, is supposed to come first. You can't take them away from the university in which they're at. Otherwise, they're a professional athlete at that point. They're only there to play the sport. And if you're on, and if you're on a campus, you're interacting with people. You know, if you're a freshman, you're in dorms. God knows what's going to happen with those, you know, come school start. There's just a lot more factors and a lot more potential for these people to pick something up or pass something on. To me, I think the NCAA is making the right call here. It's just not quite safe enough for the amount of athletes that they have to worry about. Um, as much as I would love college football to be back, I think they're, they're choosing the safe way for the athletes. And I think in the long run, that's going to be the correct decision. But from a selfish perspective, the SEC could break off and make their own league, and that would be some good drama. That would be some fun. I would, oh, wow. That, that could be – yeah, drama is a good way to put that. And, you know, if the players can stay safe, I'm all for it. That, that's my main concern, but, man, I would, I would kill for that. So <laughs> The SEC, though, concerns me because I feel like their bylaws would be just – very, very like southern in the sense it's like well, yeah. you're wearing a helmet. That's a mask, right? They're like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't put on a mask. No, 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 no. You can't kneel. Don't do uh, that. In Florida, you're actually not allowed to go into police stations wearing a mask. So, who knows what would happen in in an SEC league? <laughs> um, but there was one other thing. Apparently, the Big Ten is considering reviving their season. After canceling, I did hear that a couple of schools, including University of Iowa, is considering as Iowa has never even put on a, man, a mask mandate. Canceling football just sounds like canceling religion to them. So <laughs> they are doing what they can, and you know, if they, like I said, if they can do it safe, I think everyone's all for it. But you can't force players to play if the conditions aren't safe, and I think that should be the top concern for everybody in charge of making the decision of if the season is going to continue or not. I'd have a hard time if there were fans, just from an empathetic perspective. I agree. I know we all want to be in that atmosphere. We all want to be tailgating. We all want to be showing up with that nice buzz right before the game. But unfortunately, we are in some trying times here. I just want to break a table with my boys because that's so much to ask. About a year ago, it wasn't. What, what happened? <laughs> what uh, strange times. Try and end this little segment on a, on a nice positive note, though. After two years being out with an injury, Alex Smith has finally been cleared for football activities. Not just a fan of, of quarterbacks or someone coming off this injury, just as a fan of football. How does that make you feel to see somebody who's been out for so long come back and be ready to play again? My namesake's back, baby. Redskins winning it all. You heard it here. Washington football team. Washington football team. I forgot to not call the Redskins. It's a great moment where LeBron James was asking why uh, the Washington team chose such a bland name, and somebody responded, 
asking if he remembered that he named his child LeBron James Jr. <laughs> Originality isn't necessarily important if the team plays well. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy for Alex Smith. I'm glad he's back and able to actually do what he loves to do. He's a, he's a really good quarterback. I wish him all the best in the future, except against the Eagles. Go Birds. This is a very Philly biased podcast for me. I'm really sorry. You'll get used to it, though. Get used to it, indeed. Alex Smith hopefully can help the Redskins turn around what was a very, very lackluster season for them. Robbie, Some nice Robbie. young pieces, though. Washington football team. Let's not forget it. You're right. You're right. I'm very sorry. We're it, changing with the times as well. We're adjusting just like everyone else. The Washington so football hard. team has it's their so franchise hard. quarterback coming back, hopefully ready to play if the season does, in fact, start. And those seem to be the top topics of the past week, week and a half. Ask. Yeah, so let's take it away to our next segment. It's called The Kitchen. To put it simply, if you can't take the heat, you better stay out of it. This is our cliche segment where we talk about our hot takes. So to start our inaugural podcast off right, we thought we'd debate some goats. And no, we're not talking about farm animals. We're going to debate the greatest of all time in two sports very near and dear to our heart. That is NFL and the NBA. So to start it off, we're going to have our NFL goat debate for quarterbacks. There are plenty of positions that we could talk about, but I feel like in terms of goat debate, you got to talk about the QB. Oh, yeah. So there's the popular choice, which I believe is the stance you're taking of Tom Brady. I myself cannot get on board. Tom Brady's had an excellent career. However, I believe there are a few candidates that could rival him for the title of GOAT. Do tell. For starters, I'd like to bring up the name Peyton Manning. A lot of people like to discredit Peyton Manning in this conversation. They think he had, you know, quality receivers. They don't believe he performed in the playoffs. But if you look at the statistics, they're on Peyton Manning's side. The passing yards, touchdowns, the interception rate is high, sure. But Peyton Manning did something very difficult, and he won two Super Bowls. Absolutely, Tom Brady has more. But there are so few quarterbacks who are able to maintain the success that Peyton Manning did across multiple teams, across multiple eras of the game. I don't believe that's something that can be overlooked when talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, unfortunately, you might want to look at a playoff record. It's a big one. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Tom Brady is one of the most clutch quarterbacks of all time. Peyton Manning has been stuck with this stigma, however, that he doesn't perform in the playoffs. I think people tend to think of the more recent Super Bowl where he was a little older, didn't have as much offensive power as he would have liked. But if you go back to that Colt Super Bowl, yes, their defense played a very, very good game. But there is no way that the Colts come out on top if Peyton Manning isn't taking those snaps. Peyton Manning makes very smart decisions. They don't always go his way but he knew what he had to do to win a game. And that is invaluable when it comes down the line in key playoff games. That's somebody I'd like to have back there. You better watch out. Rex Grossman is going to tear them apart. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rex Gross. Remember that name? Exactly. The only thing the Colts had to worry about in the Super Bowl was Devin Hester and Devin Hester's electric, the best returner of all time, but that's it. Not much else. The bears had a good defense. They had Peyton Manning, but 
the Bears' offense was just historically terrible. You're not wrong. Chicago has had a rough time with their offense recently. Uh, Mitch, that was a funny one. <laughs> um, Look, I'm going to just say it. While we may remember Peyton Manning beating Tom Brady at the RCA Dome, coming back from a 21-3 deficit in the AFC Championship, or when he won Super Bowl 50, the AFC Championship, where tight contested game, Broncos-Patriots. Brady has six rings. Brady consistently beats Peyton Manning in the playoffs. Peyton Manning is probably the best regular season quarterback of all time. But when you're messing around with Tom Brady, you got to beat him in the playoffs. And Peyton Manning did it a few times, but overall, Brady always had his number. That's my favor you on that one. That being said, there is another name another I'd like one. to bring into this table. And in my personal opinion, he is actually a more clutch quarterback than Tom Brady. The Super Bowl numbers, again, still favor Brady. Nobody has won more individual Super Bowls than Tom Brady. But this quarterback has, in fact, won a Super Bowl. He has won multiple MVPs. And I'm pretty sure with the ball in the six, with the ball in the 50-yard line and your team down seven points, there's nobody else you want chucking the ball down the field than Aaron Rodgers. He has battled injuries and come back. He has made incredible, sometimes scrutinized passes uh, late in games. But coming down the stretch, I don't know if there's a quarterback I'd rather have than Aaron Rodgers just because of the intelligence level that he brings. He sees the field in a way that it seems like almost nobody else does. I will concede two points. One, if I need someone to throw a Hail Mary – I'd want Aaron Rodgers throwing it. That's number one. Amen. Number two, if I want someone to throw a 40-yard a pass on a dead play, like a penalty, it's Aaron Rodgers. He is the best at those two things. Aaron Rodgers is great when you are down by a score. But Aaron Rodgers loves to give up when his team is down by double digits. NFC Championship game this year is a good example. NFC Championship game against the Falcons, a great example. There's countless examples of it. Those are the two that come to mind. Tom Brady, in Super Bowl 51, down 28-3 in the fourth quarter, managed to even up the game and still win the Super Bowl. I hate Boston fans. I'll say it once and I'll say it again, but you can't argue with greatness. He may have one of the best coaches behind him. You forgot to say that. That would have been a good argument, Robbie, but you goof there. But Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all time. There's been no one prior, no one during, and there'll probably be no one after. Even Mahomes, Jackson, Brady's the GOAT until someone can get even close to six Super Bowls, and that's, that's going to be a while. Yeah, you bring up that coach idea. You know, it's an older Brady, so it might not mean quite as much, but we will truly be about to see if Tom Brady was a system quarterback, I guess, playing in a whole new system, different weather, <laughs> completely different form. We'll see if, what he's got, but it's an uphill battle for me on this one. I also find it very hard to agree with Boston fans not exactly my favorite breed. However, you know, that's why we debate these things. Just a matter of opinion. And 
some sense. Tom Brady, maybe not. That being said, Tom's I believe we have a different different conversation that may may be a little have a little more back and forth, I should say. <laughs> Absolutely. The NBA GOAT debate. All right, on three, we say who the GOAT is. Ready? One, two, three. Michael Jordan. LeBron James. That wasn't Michael Jordan. Did you stutter? No, I said Michael Jordan correctly. It's called LeBron James. All right. You know what? I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get contentious. I will go back and forth, but I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Six championships, screwed out of so many MVPs, and he still has like four of them. What top 10 scoring of all time? Won 25 of his 26 playoff series. You can't compete with his greatness. The most competitive person of all time, re- refused to lose even in a game of quarters with uh, one of his security guards. There's no debate. It's Michael. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto-friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. The football season is here, and you can track the latest news, odds, and information at betonline.net. And while stadiums won't be full, game action will be loaded. Which players will step up to lead their team? Is there still a home field advantage? Will offense or defense dominate these early weeks of the season? Follow along at betonline.net as the top teams in football begin their journey to Tampa. Available online or your mobile device. Check out the site today. Bring the game home at betonline.net. Jordan. I will, I will give you the competitive. I don't know if I have ever heard of or seen an athlete more competitive and, and more just desiring of, of challenge than Michael Jordan. That man sought out adversity and loved it. That being said, you mentioned the titles. Michael Jordan won all six titles that he was a part of. But LeBron James made more titles. LeBron James has won three of those titles. LeBron James has not necessarily ended the amount of titles he will participate in, championships he will participate in and win. His career is ongoing still. It's very, very difficult to truly state that a current player is the best of all time because their career is still developing. That being said, I believe LeBron James has already done enough. LeBron James has four MVPs. LeBron James has three finals MVPs. LeBron James in the finals, by degree of difficulty, has faced, I would argue, at the very least, just equal to the amount that Michael Jordan had to face, if not greater, just based off of the few Warriors teams he had to go up against. But to me, the main difference in this conversation that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet is the mental edge LeBron James brings. Not to state that Michael Jordan doesn't have his own mental edge and, and, and switch that he flips, but LeBron James got to the basket, can get to the basket, and will always be able to get to the basket every single time he wants to. I have never in my life seen another player with the ease that LeBron James can get inside and finish, get inside and dish, 
get inside, bring it back out, and take a pull-up three. He is unlimited on what he can do on both sides of the floor. In my opinion, Michael Jordan just didn't quite have that same versatility. Well, if we're talking about people who get to the basket with ease, we could argue Shaq. Shaq the Diesel was unstoppable in when he was in the Lakers. And the Greek freak, Giannis, he gets to the basket with very relative ease. That man's limbs are probably longer than my entire torso, despite me being 6'2". But the one thing I will say, Michael Jordan... 6-0, he played some very tough teams. And you did, you did concede the point that they're probably equal. And I'd actually say LeBron's, some of the teams he's played, the Warriors teams included, very tough competition. Stiff competition, stacked teams. The one knock, though, LeBron James may have played in, I believe it's nine finals. Am I correct? Eight or nine, definitely. I think it's nine, he's three and six, correct? I believe he's three and five. I think it's eight finals. Okay. He has not gone in the West, which is fine. But he went when he was on the Cavs once, and he lost to a much better Spurs team. He carried that team. I'll give him that. But then he goes to the Heat. And okay, you know, change the scenery. But then he's like, hmm, I'll go to the Heat, but I'd like the following. I'd like an all-star caliber center, and I'd like – a great shooting guard who you happen to love, Robbie, Dwayne Wade, and then Chris Bosch. So he made this stack team and was like, hey, I'm pretty good. And then, yeah, obviously they went to the finals in the East. The only people that they really had to play that were any trouble was Paul George and the Pacers. And Paul George was not who he is today. And every time he got to the conference finals against them, it was – oh, I hope this goes to seven, not, oh, the Pacers may take this. It was Pacers would do everything in their power to stop them. And even Lance Stevenson blowing LeBron's ear couldn't stop them. No, no, it did not blow the house down. Um, Despite all this, I'm not done. I'll keep going. They went to finals all four years. Yes, they did. You beat a very young Thunder team, which Mm -hmm. if they were older, would probably be more of a feather in the cap. You beat the Spurs, but Ray Allen had to bail him out. He had a great finals, but one of the best shots of all time. But I'm missing two finals. All right, you lost to the Spurs in five. Okay, Spurs are good. But what about the first year? Oh, they lost to the Mavericks. Man. A team led by Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, I'm kidding. Jason Terry isn't there. They had a bunch of very good role players. That they did. But not a good look. No, I will, I'll be honest with you. I've been, I've been arguing that LeBron James has been the greatest basketball player of all time for, for a couple of years now. And the greatest challenge I have ever faced when trying to convince someone of this is that 2011 NBA Finals against the Dallas Mavericks. This, this wonderful point in my head always pops up. As you said, Dwayne Wade, one of my, he is actually my favorite basketball player of all time, played very well that series. He averaged, I believe, 33, 7, and 6. And there's the, this idea that had the Heat won that series, Dwayne Wade would have been the finals MVP. And to me, that is dog shit. 
if the Miami Heat won that series, LeBron James would have been the finals MVP because there was no scenario in which LeBron James averaged the stats he did and the Heat won that series. LeBron James, as much as I love him, did something that you're right, Michael Jordan never did. He dropped the ball in the NBA Finals. But LeBron James then did something that I believe is even more impressive. LeBron James didn't just know how to win win championships. Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan knew exactly what he had to do in every turn. LeBron didn't. LeBron took a moment after losing and he said, I'm not the closer. I'm not the guy that's going to be taking shots at the end of the game. Someone else is because that's what needs to happen. That's how we win basketball games. That player ended up being Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade did something that Michael Jordan never had to do. He taught LeBron James how to win. And then a few years later, LeBron leaves Miami. He goes to Cleveland, which which in my opinion is a much less impressive roster. Kyrie's a poor man's Wade. Kevin Love, a poor man's Bosch. Matthew Delvadova is not a second best player on a finals team. How dare you? How dare you? But he won an NBA finals against what was the greatest regular season team of all time, the 73 and nine Warriors. They were not favored. Kyrie missed a game or two that series, I believe. That was, to me, the most impressive finals win in NBA history because LeBron James came out and he said, there is nobody better than me. There is no team better than me. I am the king maybe because they were up against a very tough Warriors team but let's not forget that final 330 of game seven in the 2016 NBA finals while he had that chase down block which one of the most athletic players of all time we forget who made the clutch shot it was Kyrie Kyrie was the closer that that that's a point and for LeBron, I think it is a knock that he himself is not a closer and can't always be relied on to hit the big shots. But I do think it's to his credit that he knows when he shouldn't be taking those shots. He knew that with the game on the line and a three-pointer being the shot they wanted to take, Kyrie Irving was the higher percentage shooter. But not only that, Kyrie Irving's the guy that was going to make one quick move and be able to hit a shot. That isn't LeBron's game. That is Kyrie's game. And I think that's a very big thing of LeBron being this great player to say, look, I know when it doesn't need to be me. I can't tell, especially after having watched the last dance that Michael Jordan would have ever been able to do that. I don't know if Michael Jordan would have been ever, ever been able to say, Scotty, you take that shot. I think you have a better chance to make it than I do. So selflessness is rewarded in this goat debate. I mean, he's 17 years in the league and just led the league in assists selflessness is very important in my opinion yeah also averaging 30 points a game helps too sure michael jordan also going 72 and 10 which was at the time the best record of all time in a regular season up until warriors it to me michael jordan may be larger than life and we amplify his persona at the same time though it he just it's everything he was a scorer he was uber competitive and he could close if you are the best basketball player on the court your team is going to give you the ball and that chance like that last second shot to win the game win the title you don't give it to the second best guy you don't give it to the third best guy unless you're triple teamed or there's wide open or whatever. 
you give it to the guy who's going to make that shot. And that's usually the best player in the squad. Make some good points. Just to let everybody know, I was the one who took the big shots in our uh, rec league team. Just to throw your point back at you for a minute. <laughs> well, using your debate that I'm the GOAT, so <laughs> just saying. No, no, there, there, there's a lot of great points to be made. This is a very, as we were speaking before this, this is a very nitty-gritty argument. Um, the GOAT is not a clear-cut conversation. The GOAT is you have to pull out every little bit of knowledge, every tiny random factoid that came into play. Um, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning that it's kind of hard to really, truly bring LeBron James into this conversation fully because his career isn't over. We don't know the extent to which of what he's going to do. He has already played longer than Michael Jordan. We don't, there's no way for us to measure how much that affects this conversation because LeBron James is higher than Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list, but he's also played a few more seasons by this point. You know, how much longer did it take him to get there? There's always factors that we can't necessarily account for. Um, and I think a lot of times it comes down to who was the guy you grew up with, but that's not the case in your situation. You know, you grew up in the LeBron era, but truly believe Jordan to be the GOAT. You know, to me, though, I don't know how much of it comes down to LeBron was my player, but LeBron did play for the Heat, which is my favorite team. So I got to see a lot of LeBron James. I watched four straight years of LeBron terrorizing the Eastern Conference and most of the NBA in general. And unfortunately, I didn't get to do that with Michael Jordan, but seeing LeBron do that, the way he did, the way he did all of the incredible things he did and then the ease in which he was able to do them. The, his 60-point game against the Charlotte Hornets was the calmest 60-point game I've ever seen a player, player have. He just did it like it was his job because it was. Nothing else mattered. Nobody was getting in his way. I know the Hornets aren't the best team in the world. It's the Charlotte Hornets. They're, they're great. I, they might have even been the Bobcats at that point now that I'm thinking about it. Like, Michael Shout Jordan out. may be the GOAT, but he's one of the worst owners of all time. <laughs> yeah, maybe LeBron can that. win this one with, uh, if, he, if he can win a championship as an owner. Maybe he'll, he'll really start coming back in that conversation. No, maybe. But. I'll give him – <laughs> honestly, if Michael Jordan – like, if sorry, if LeBron James has a pulse as an owner, he'll be a better owner, quite <laughs> frankly. But Michael Jordan in the playoffs dropped 60 in the Boston Garden against the Celtics. Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale – uh, Danny Ainge, all future all-stars. Bill Wallen, I think, was in that game, too. Like, there's – I think the big thing to emphasize is Michael Jordan's team. He had Scotty. He had Dennis Rodman. Scotty was an all-star, one of the best players in that era. Dennis Rodman was an absolute machine for rebounding. Michael Jordan went three for three, 91, 90, 91, 93. He then his dad passes away. Well, sorry, he's murdered. He's like, I'm gonna go to baseball. He plays minor league baseball. Not saying he was a star, but he did reasonably well. Better like than any of us could have ever asked, especially I think he was in double A, which isn't like bad competition at all. And then came back. And only lost one playoff series after, you know, being gone. And it was to Penny and Shaq and Horace Grant. Yeah, yeah. guy that knew the system on a team that I believe won the final – or made it to the finals that year. No, they got got killed by the Rockets. Unfortunate for them. But, yeah, no, I mean, Michael Jordan didn't lose in the playoffs. To to, to LeBron's credit, LeBron doesn't really lose until the finals. LeBron James has never lost a first-round playoff series. 
Um, I know Michael Jordan didn't really lose a first round playoff series, but it did actually happen. Um, and, and, and these things, these nitty gritty, what's up? Sorry. Here's a question. Yeah, if, what does LeBron James have to do to undisputably be the GOAT? Like, there's definitely debate. Oh, yeah. So, well, first of all, I think there's going to be debate no matter what. I think, I think that's part of sports is that we love this conversation of who is the greatest athlete of all time. Um, for me, for LeBron to definitively pass Michael Jordan as the GOAT, he needs to make at least two more finals appearances, winning ideally both of them, but definitely at least one. I think if LeBron gets the double-digit appearances, that's going to take that, – that, that goes a long way. Um, I think he needs to keep rising on these all-time uh, statistical leaderboards. I think he should use his career's longevity to his advantage over Michael Jordan as best he can. Um, if he's able to rise to two or Godspeed number one of the all-time scoring list, I can't see a world where that is a negative impact on his uh, chance at being the undisputed GOAT. Um, but to me, you know, to most people, it's about championships. And LeBron has half as many championships as Michael Jordan. At the end of the day, that's way worse. It's a lot worse. Four is a much closer number. Five, what Kobe Bryant did, what Tim Duncan did, those are not, that's a much nicer, closer number. LeBron, we all like to think he's got he's, – his career is never going to end. But in reality – it's you know he's in that last phase he only has so much left but if he can close that margin on the goat conversation and start passing him in every other statistical category I think it'd be very it'd be it's just going to keep getting increasingly harder to make the argument for Michael Jordan especially when the champion if the championships can start piling up yeah I think not to not to credit LeBron I do like LeBron I think he's a the second best player of all time to LeBron's credit, he, for the most part, beats Jordan in most statistical categories based on longevity of career. He needs that those championships to elevate him into I agree. nearly being unanimous for the GOAT talk, in my opinion. I completely agree. I think championships are the most important thing. That's what we're all fighting for. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be the best. And if you want to be the best of the best, you have to have won like you were the best. So... If LeBron can do it, which I believe he can, I will love to have this conversation in five to seven years again. <laughs> but Hopefully that being do. said, do you have any more you'd like to input onto this? Or uh, are we going to let the, the listeners decide who won these debates? I will say one more thing. LeBron James will be the GOAT, and he'll win this finals if he shaves his head and has someone buff and polish it. Like, you can see a reflection <laughs> in it. Only way he's going to go suit – like. He's going to go off if he does it. I book it. It's happening here. LeBron, Otherwise, he's not with the championship. He has never been wrong before. I've so. been wrong many times. <laughs> In fact, I think I'm under 50%. <laughs> well, we can start anew. All right. Yeah, but let us know who you think won either debate and why it was me. But if you have any other things that we should debate, let us know. We'd love to tackle some new concepts and I'd love to spit some fire. I feel really stupid saying that. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> love stupid comments. So another next segment we have here, one of our own creation we're going to do. So in high school, always gave out senior superlatives. It was, a, it was a big thing for most people end of the yearbook. So we have our own list of superlatives that we're going to give out every week. 
Um, and we're going to go ahead and start it with the most disappointing player of the week. Alex, who or what team disappointed you the most? I just said team. Cue the Sixers theme song because, oh, my goodness. As a Sixers fan, I was incredibly disappointed. Not because of the playoff loss today. I honestly kind of expected it. I was optimistic, but Robbie knows I was sort of – I figured it would happen. I watched the Sixers play their preseason games in the bubble, and I was like, wow, they look great. They look rejuvenated. They look healthy. Ben Simmons looks great. And then I watched the entire season, all the hope I had, crumble in like a day after the first game. They suck. They played terrible. They honestly, the best they've looked thus far in regular season or playoffs was literally today. I agree with that. And I'm just – I'm disappointed because I'm let down. That's it. It's The Sixers are like – an abusive ex-girlfriend or I just can't get away from it. Like I just, I keep coming back. She's mentally manipulating me, but I, 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 I just, I want more, even though it's a bad, bad thing. I just, I want the Sixers to win and I keep coming back for more. Man, so never, I'm never back. toy with a Philadelphia sports fans emotions. They care more than you do and they drink more than you do also. Um, I, I can't argue that the Sixers have had some ups and downs this year. That being said, my most disappointing of the week, a little different. Going to go with an individual player here. His name is Lonzo Ball. Um, so, obviously, Lonzo was one of the key players in the, the highlight Anthony Davis trade of the offseason. Uh, Brandon Ingram ended up becoming an all-star, which is incredible. Lonzo Ball, during the regular season, actually had a pretty decent year. He was averaging uh, 12.4 points per game, somewhere around 36, uh, 34% from the three-point line, which was much improved from his past season. Um, and he, he was looking like he was trending upwards. And then the bubble rolls around. Very clearly didn't keep his body in as good a shape as he could have. And Lonzo really dropped the ball. His points per game dropped from 12.4 to 5.7. And his three-point percentage dropped from 33.6 to 19.2% from behind the arc in the bubble. Those are absolutely unacceptable numbers from somebody who was traded for Anthony Davis. There is no logical explanation to why Lonzo Ball performed this badly other than the fact that he didn't prepare. He just straight up wasn't ready. He knew the Phoenix Suns came in knowing how much they were going to have to grind to have even a shot at getting the playoffs. The Pelicans had to have come in with that same mindset, but Lonzo clearly wasn't in the room. Lonzo wasn't even in the building. Lonzo did not care what happened. He did not want to try and make the playoffs from the numbers that he put up. And to me, from somebody who is the number two overall draft pick, who has always been hyped around in the media, those numbers just aren't okay. I think New Orleans has a lot of roster decisions that they're going to need to look into after how poorly they performed with what was considered the easiest schedule in the bubble. Yeah, they that was a lot down. And still rooting for – Big baller brand to come back and hopefully maybe there's always next year. Um, all right. So moving on, the second superlative we have is the biggest ball hog. Does sound like a little bit of a basketball, but this can all of these can uh, go across all sports. That being said, my pick was in fact Devin Booker, but I don't see this as a bad thing. Ball hog has a very negative connotation because we always talk that the ball hog is the guy that never wants to pass. 
Devin Booker never should pass. There is nobody else on the Phoenix Suns roster that should be shooting the basketball that doesn't have the number 13 on their back. Devin Booker is so much better than the rest of that roster. To me, I would rather watch a game where Devin Booker shot 60 shots than where Devin Booker shot 20 shots and Kelly Oubre shot the other 30. Devin Booker has, is a true superstar. To me, the bubble proved that. He took a step. He really, really tried to get his team to a point that nobody thought they could get to. And that, that comes with having to take a lot of extra shots and a lot of extra pressure, and I think he handled it really well. You know, you're sleeping on Aaron Baines. That's all I'm going to say. Aaron Baines is great. Definitely was scummed out of most improved player. I'm just <laughs> saying. That's, that's my hot take of the year. Uh, that for the kitchen. G- going along with that, my biggest ball hog would be Luka Doncic. Mine is a little less like, oh, this is kind of a good thing. Like, Luka, ball dominant player, scored 30 since uh, the bubble has happened. He looks great. But Luca, I need you to be a ball hog who's clutch. You keep losing games down the stretch, and it makes me sad because I want you to do well. No other player has number 77. That's a dope number. And all I want is for you to just be great. Bring the Mavericks back to that European-type like mindset where you find gems. You and Porzingis can be so great. Just close out games and continue being your ball hog, ball-dominant self. <laughs> Mavericks have a tough playoff series currently playing the Clippers. Uh, next superlative on the docket is the Bullied Award. The player or team who has just been beaten up this past week, or, or in this case, I guess, past few days. Um, who, who do you got? Who just took a brutal, brutal beatdown this week? I have co-winners. All right, let's hear them. So my first thought watching the bubble, Joe Kim Noah won. I didn't know he was still in the league. He's on the Clippers, fun fact. He got absolutely bullied by Anthony Davis, by JaVale McGee, by Dwight Howard. Like, he was belittled and bullied. But my other winner is Mo Wagner, the center for the Wizards. He thought, hey, (laughs) I can stamp to Giannis. And Giannis just headbutted him. Like, he actually hit him. It's like... The, like, I don't know. I don't want to use the word nerd because I was definitely a nerd in high school. But, like, getting, like, shoved inside of a locker by, like, the jock. That's what Giannis did to Mo. <laughs> Giannis didn't flinch. He just, he just headbutted it. him. So. Yeah, no. Sorry, very, <laughs> yeah, no. I uh, hope Mo Wagner doesn't have any concussions after running into that steel wall. <laughs> um, my pick for the Bully Award is a team it is the Houston Astros. I just saw some stat that was in the amount of games that have been played so far. The Astros have been hit by a pitch 136% more than any other team across all time through this amount of games played, like general amount of games played. Nobody likes Houston. Everybody's pissed. And it's showing. They're getting hit. The, their players aren't playing well, and everybody loves it as a fan base. Um, <laughs> For, for the sake of the individual people, I, I maybe hope it turns around, but, you know, the Astros did a pretty scummy thing, and, and this is just, uh, you know, the, the toll comes at the end of the day, and they're, they're just taking it to the face right now. Poor Jose Altuve. He didn't deserve any of this. You guys are just mean. <laughs> Jose Altuve's batting average has uh, lowered since last season. 
his batting average is lower than him. That's a short joke. Ha-ha. Good one. <laughs> Moving was on. was not good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the most unexpected player of the week. Um, to, I, I assume we're going to have similar answers here, but uh, for me – I don't think so. I, maybe not then, but uh, to me it was a pretty obvious choice. Um, as much as I hate it, not a huge fan of the Pacers. I'm a very big Jimmy Butler fan, but TJ Warren played absolutely incredibly in the bubble. I mean, he shot above 60% from three. That is beyond unheard of. He averaged, I think it was 34 point, you know, five plus per game. Those numbers came out of nowhere. I, you know, the, the Pacers lost to Montesabonis before the bubble started. And to me, that was the, uh, the Pacers are going to be that sad team that just gets swept in the first round of the playoffs. And the Pacers worked their way up to the four seed. You know, they weren't going to get out of that four or five matchup with the Heat. And the home team, I guess, doesn't really quite matter as much as it, as it might have used to or, or previously would have. But the Pacers played really well in the bubble. And TJ Warren was an extremely large part of that. And we don't know if that's going to translate into the playoffs. The Heat were the only team to hold him under 20 points in the bubble. But if he can keep up that energy, the Heat are going to be facing a much, much tougher task than they would have anticipated on a team without their, their all-star player. Uh, so I thought of TJ Warren. I mean, very unexpected, but he is not like he is a starting point guard. Very important to consider. My most unexpected was the Rockets, but specifically Ben McLemore. Okay. Ben McLemore, first round pick to the Kings, stud in college, fell off the face of the earth, and then I turned on my TV. He is now on the Rockets. And all he does in the Rockets is shoot threes, and he shoots them at a very high percentage, and he does pretty damn well with them. Yeah, I think the Rockets uh, the his first year in Houston, and, you know, they're, they're a team that likes to shoot a lot of threes, and he's all for that. I'm very curious to see. I, I want to see how the small ball experiment goes. Yeah, I have no, a feeling it's going to be more successful than we could ever imagine. That's a hot take right there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's it's the first time we're going to see a six foot six center in well a very very long time. So we'll see how the Rockets go, and you know, wish them the best of luck in their endeavors. Next superlative, the media all star. Who is the ringmaster of the Twitter sphere this week? Baker, go. It'd be easy to say Dame, but. To have beef, you got to start it, and I give it to Paul George for <laughs> chiming in with Patrick Beverly's beef and just being like, ha-ha, you suck, Dame, missed your free throws. Like, I appreciate what he did because of the clapbacks, but Paul George to me, because Paul George, I think, knows he's in a situation where he's going to go far, and he knows Dame's unfortunately going to get eliminated by the Lakers. You know, it'd be awesome to see them in the conference finals, but I think Paul Paul knows what's going on. See that that's the thought I had, and that's why I ended up sticking with Dame as my choice because they're all they're all safe. Paul George and Patrick Beverly don't have to worry about playing Damian Lillard. But if the scenario arose where Portland made a historic run and faced LA, the, the Clippers in the conference finals, are you telling me Paul George isn't gonna be shitting his pants seeing Damian oh, yeah, Lillard averaging seventy points per game? shitting on him on twitter like boy you can't stop me dame dame doesn't even need to use twitter he can just lay it all on the line but when he does use twitter he claps back hard 
he's my media all-star of the week. He backs and it up. He does. He does. He is a cold, cold man. Finally, going to end every week with our recurring athlete of the week, any sport, any gender. Um, and I'm going to start it off with Devin Booker. Love Dame. He was my other contender for this award. And the final factor went into how much more difficult the Suns road was to get to the point that they tried to get to. Um, you know, both the Blazers and the Suns had incredible runs. Both Devin Booker and Damian Lillard put up fantastic numbers. Um, but to me, the difference in roster, uh, the, the Blazers to me have a much more complete roster. They're very healthy right now. Phoenix is dealing with some injuries. Phoenix is dealing with not having as much depth as a Portland team would. But to go 8-0, uh, having not even won more than two games in a row during the entire regular season prior to that was the most impressive feat. And Devin Booker led the charge the whole way, didn't relent for a second, and, you know, hit one of the craziest buzzer beaters of the entire bubble over, over Paul George. And he is my athlete of the week. Like you said, I got to go with Dame time. MVP of the bubble. He gave it his all to will the Blazers into the playoffs. I got to give him props. I wish him nothing but the best of the playoffs. He is a ton of fun to watch. He is one, like, if not the best current point guard, he is one of the best. And the guy has been through so much. He stayed with the same team, but he just, he backs up his play. He backs up his smack talk. He just, he does everything he can to win. And I think there's a lot of respect that should be given to him. I completely agree. I don't know if there is a player in sports that means more to their city than Damian Lillard means to the fans out there in Portland that he is their franchise piece and he could very well be the last player we ever see play his entire career for one franchise. Damian Lillard is in the playoffs and God, am I excited to watch that? I completely agree on your pick. Um, and I believe that is what we have for this week. I appreciate those who came and listened. I hope you enjoyed the content. Let us know what you thought. And again, who you believe won our GOAT discussions. Um, and we'll be back next week with brand new content. Hey, take care, guys. It was great. I'm glad you listened. And we'll see you next week. The football season is here, and you can track the latest news, odds, and information at betonline.net. And while stadiums won't be full, game action will be loaded. Which players will step up to lead their team? Is there still a home field advantage? Will offense or defense dominate these early weeks of the season? Follow along at betonline.net as the top teams in football begin their journey to Tampa. Available online or your mobile device. Check out the site today. Bring the game home at betonline.net. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.